God. He's an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome bow our heads together if you would Lord Jesus we are so grateful today that we know you in that way that you're an awesome God all powerful all knowing wonderful we thank you Lord that you're not to us a historical figure of one which we read of in the Bible that existed many many years ago but we believe Hebrews 13 8 that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And believing that, Father, then we also believe that we can bring our needs, our desires, our requests, our petitions to you. I guess, Father, one of the most difficult things that we have in dealing with this in prayer is to feel that we're constantly bringing so much to you. We bring our sicknesses, our troubles, and our frustrations of life, and we don't want to be wearisome to you, Lord. I guess we just have to believe what's been said to us, that your prophet told us to ask much and ask great things. So we have to believe that you, in your awesome way, that you love hearing from your children. So I pray that you would teach us, help us to understand that by as the age gets darker and our bodies get older and we get weaker, that these natural things will be there and we'll have to ask you more for our health maybe every day ask you more for our peace every day to resolve problems among us no doubt as we get closer to the end of the way these things will become more difficult but we believe our God our Father our loving Savior cares for us so much we're not an annoyance to you Lord Lord I have in my hand today a prayer cause Lord, Brother Randy Walton's sister, you see her face in brain surgery, and we're asking you, God, for your mercy, that you would just help her, Lord. Other needs, other requests, other desires, we pray that you just minister to them. Speak to us today from your word, would you, Lord God? May we be able to see another aspect of how awesome you truly are. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. St. John chapter 4. If you would, verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is Spirit, or God is Numa, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. First John chapter 1, 
verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship. is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. May God bless His words. You may be seated. There's times when I go to talk to Him, I feel like He makes me wait. That I will talk and I will worship and I will petition and I will ask. It may be for 10 minutes or 15 or it may be longer than that before I sense that he's there. There are times when I go to talk to him that whenever I walk into wherever I'm going to converse with him. (laughs) He's already there waiting. And there's times that I become surprised that maybe I'm at Lowe's and I'm picking up a bottle of glue for a PVC pipe. I need a three-way switch to change and one of the light switches in the house. I need a receptacle cover. I need a box of screws. Just carnal, average, everyday stuff. So I've got a buggy and I'm pushing it down through and I've got my piece of paper on my phone there with my list on it. And I'm just going through, not really thinking about him, not really thinking about praying. And I turn the corner, and there he is. And you just walk into his presence. To me, that is what one of the things that makes him an awesome God. You see, if the only time that I would have ever met him was when I was in great cathedrals, with great stained glass and gothic design. That would mean that I would have only been able to meet him maybe a half a dozen or so times in my life. I've stood in some of those great churches around the world, and there's something to look at. But to me, that's not the way I associate God. I believe that he desires to be such a part of our everyday lives. That whether we're sitting here or whether we're sitting at home or whether you're driving down the road or whether you're going to prayer or whether you're at the grocery store or Walmart or wherever it is, he wants to be a part of our life every day. He told the children of Israel, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What would be so, so appealing to his being? That he would want to condescend from the praise and the adoration 
and the accolades of angels praising and worshiping and adoring and talking in heavenly metaphors and heavenly language. And he would want to have a place among them, a tent, a tabernacle, that he could come down and they would be right on the other side of the curtain, the, the skins, the goat skins, and they would be talking about their gardens and their children and their grandchildren. And maybe he would even hear them argue about deals that they had made. And, and one, one brother felt like he was being cheated over the other. And, and they're supposed to have swapped goats. And, and, and God would hear them talking about their cattle and their horses. And, you know, wonder, wonder how the crops are going to be this year. Why would he want to leave the praise of angels to hear such? You see, his very desire from the beginning was to be able to walk among humans. To live, as he phrased it in the New Testament, to be in their midst. Our God desiring such a place, and as we looked at it last night, he must have a common denominator between the divine and the human. In order to, depending on which way you would want to multiply, add, or divide the fractions, that you would have to have something by which would go into both numbers to make them work. So if you've got a fraction, and it's by either twos or threes or fours or fives or sevens. You've got to have a denominator that will be able to go into both, that will be able to produce an answer. And God was the only one that would be able to create such a thing. Man fallen in the state that he was in, and there was no way for him to ever get back on his own. His merits were gone. His stability was gone. His oneness was God. His oneness with his wife. And there's only one thing that could happen, and that was that the Christ of God would take on a human body. And the Christ would be the denominator with deity. And the body would be the common denominator of humanity. And it would merge together with the top slash being over the bottom that would be able to go into the equation to rid and dissolve sin from man's nature. In order to totally liberate the man that God so loved. In doing this, he must take this sin into his own body in order to bring a resolve to sin. By doing so, then he comes with this divine nature and releases his own nature back to us. I said it maybe Wednesday night, but I think it'd be worth repeating again that for those who actually are lost at the end of the way, 
It will not necessarily be drinking, lying, robbing banks, cheating, stealing, all of that that will condemn the lost. You know, years ago when I first heard Brother Renham uh, set forth that it was not drinking that was sin and lying that was sin, but sin really was unbelief. And all of that was attributes of unbelief. It, it, I got to be honest, it took me, you know, a little bit of prayer and meditation to look at that because of trying to understand that you preach for years and years that this is sin and that is sin and that is sin. But once you really comprehend it, you know, those things are not sin. They're attributes of unbelief. But it will not be that that will necessarily stand against the witness of those that will go to hell. But God could take one principle and one only. And that is that He Himself became a sinner for us. And He offered us sinners the way out to eternal life. And the bottom line is we turned that down. So whether you drink, whether you lie, whether you cuss, or whether you're a religious sinner and go to church every day of your life, but you still refuse the full atonement of that blood word, you're still lost. On what basis? Well, not because everybody smokes, because everybody doesn't. Not on the basis that everybody drinks, because everybody doesn't. Not on the basis that everybody is a religious sinner, because everybody isn't. But they turned down God's basic principles on one basic thing. And that is, they turned down His divine nature. Now, John, as I shared with you after the service Wednesday night, that on Thursday the Lord kept dealing with my heart on this verse that I've shared with you last night and again today. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, and it was the last phrase of that verse that kept going over and over and over in my heart and in my mind on Thursday and Thursday night as I sat down to study. And then off and on during the day, Friday, yesterday, Yesterday, even last night as I went to bed this morning when I got up, the same thing again, that our, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And to think of what an awesome thing as we're singing about that word that God did for us and not only for us but all of those that would accept it on that basis accepting the name for the personality and the character that it bears that God would allow us to be partakers of the divine fellowship or the divine nature. Now, bringing us to that spot, the Lord Jesus says it this way in St. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, I know I read this last night, but it was so striking to me. I felt like it would be a benefit for those of you that wasn't with us last night. And for those of you that heard it, you're probably like me. You need to hear it again and again to be able to comprehend it. 
that our Lord says that this is part of the attribute. And that's one of the same thing to say, well, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. But Jesus' answer back to that is quite simple. He says, if a man love me, he will keep my word. So it's one thing to say, oh, I love him with all my heart. Well, if you do, you will keep his words. Then the unfolding of his character will walk in your life. Now what he says, if any man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come, notice, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So how does this work then that if we love the Lord Jesus and then by doing that we keep his words by doing that we get the father's attention now notice the sequence of events that we love him we keep his words we get the father's attention and then we or us will come and make our abode in him so does this mean then that we have the father which is an old man and we have Jesus which is a younger man and we've got two people living inside of us they have come to make their abode inside of us of course not but it is two attributes of the same God now we know that the Holy Ghost is revealed in the seven church ages as under the dispensation or the administration of the Son of God. What is the Son of God? The Holy Ghost. Ah. So the Son of God then under the church ages is not the human body, but it is Jesus returning back to the spirit world. So when we do away with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we are doing away with the manifestation of God in spirit form. So when they, when you refer to the reference here of that we will take our abode in you, it is actually the Father, which is the Spirit, coming through the office of Son of God, living inside of you in the form of the Holy Ghost, which is the same God the whole time. Amen. Not three different bodies, the body of God and the body of Jesus and the body of the Holy Ghost. That's a bunch of heathenism. But it is the same God through the office. Now, as I've said before about I am I'm father, I am grandfather, I am husband, I am uncle, I am brother, I am preacher, I am your pastor, and so on and so on. But yet I'm the same person all the time. So here in the dispensational claim is so important to God when the Syrophoenician woman comes, son of David, have mercy, son of David, have mercy. She had no claim on him as son of David. But when she said, Lord, he was her Lord. But Bartimaeus could say, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus would hear his cry from the very first utterance that went out of his mouth because he did have the proper claim on him as that. Now we note then at the end of the seventh church age, even though the church age, what happened on the day of Pentecost, it was the pillar of fire coming back God the Father which is spirit coming back under the dispensational claim
proclaim as son of God. Jesus said, I will go away, but I will come again and I will be the paracletos, which is the one that is called alongside to help you. I will be your comfort. It is necessary. It is expedient for you that I go away because if I don't come go away, I cannot come back, in other words, as the Holy Ghost. So I will come back under what dispensational title? The Son of God or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You understand? Now those who feel like that the seven church ages are all done and there's no more church ages, oh my, you're in a fix. That puts you in a time frame without the Holy Ghost, which is probably pretty well true for a lot of them. That's why they get off in so much false doctrine. Because you see, you might believe something wrong, but if you got the Holy Ghost, you won't continue in wrong. Every one of us should believe things wrong, but if we got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will straighten us out. And you can be straightened out if you've got the Holy Ghost. Now, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you'll believe error, and you'll go on in your air, you're hard-headed, you're stubborn, and nobody can tell you anything. Well, that's one of the best signs in the world. You ain't got the Holy Ghost, no matter what you say. Now, notice in Jesus said that if a man obeys my words, now he's bringing it from the Torah of the Old Testament to the New Dispensation of the New Testament. So if a man obeys my New Testament words, then that man will walk in my words, then my Father will love him, and then we will make up our abode. So it is the Spirit of God under the dispensational claim of the Son of God or the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he said, we will come unto him and make our abode with him and the Greek word is money. Now I guarantee you one thing or money we ought to really focus a whole lot more on the Greek pronunciation of this word than we need to that thing which we carry in our wallet. Now a lot of us are concerned about money. We love money. We die for money. We lie for money. We cheat for money. We better be a whole lot more concerned about this Monet right here. Now, I'm sure that most of us, including me, do not fully comprehend to the present time what God by the new birth has transformed our soul to be. That this word would be able to be used by the Lord Jesus and say that we will come unto him and make our abode or monet in him, which means a mansion or a staying, abiding, or a dwelling. Now here the Lord Jesus is giving the epitome from the divine side of the way God looks at a converted individual. That their soul which at one time was filled with darkness, it was a haunt for demons, for evil spirits. But the Spirit of God does such a work in their soul that God considers that new birth inside of them to be such a transformation that the soul becomes a mansion. And they believe it. You accept it anyway, right? 
Notice again in St. John 17, 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Now remember, we're talking about the real divinity of God being revealed in humanity. Now watch the man Christ Jesus as he is praying to whom? The Father God which is now living inside of his body. So it's not a body in a body, but it is the Spirit of God in the body. So he's saying, Father, I pray you would help them to be one the way you and I are one. So you are living in me, Father. I pray you would help them. Now this is in the future of course to be to be able to understand what true oneness is this is true oneness this is perfect worship before God God veiled in human beings this is perfect worship. Well, whether or not you understand this under the seventh seal, by the revealing of the word of God before the bride leaves in the rapture, she will have already entered into the stage of perfect worship before she ever gets her perfect body. Because divinity living inside of us is who? It is God himself, perfect oneness, reflecting even in time in an imperfect body. Notice that they may also be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are two, three. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Is that what he said? Now, notice in verse 23, I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know. Apparently, this is so important to him, he repeats it again. That the world may know that thou hast sent me. How are they going to know when perfect oneness is reflected in his children? Which cannot be taught. It cannot be learned. You cannot be educated into perfect oneness. It can only happen by experience. And that experience is the Holy Ghost. Now notice that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them. So when oneness is reflected in our lives, it is a reflection from the divine through the human, but it reflects also into the cosmos or the world order. Now this is one reason that he does it, that the world may know. They may never tell you that they know. They may never even let you know that they know, but they know. Praise God. They may never even tell you. I know you're so different. I know there's something about you. They may not know. But do you believe his prayer is going to be answered? They will know. They may hold it to themselves. They may talk about you when they go home uh, to their wife at night. I work with this guy. He is so strange. He reads his Bible and he reads his books. And I'll tell you, there's something different about the guy. But I feel this most awesome feeling. 
healing when I get around him. I don't understand it. I work with other guys. I work with Baptists and boy, they hit their nail, you know, the wrong nail with a hammer and they cuss. They are, they do everything in the world. But this guy, I've seen him do all the same thing and yet he does not cuss. He does not lose his temper. I do not understand. Jesus said, it's my prayer being fulfilled. Amen. Now, notice then, so our fellowship, truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, the word fellowship is the word koinia, and it is something that we have in common, or something by which we are able to relate to on a basis where we can share. So we become in fellowship with Almighty God, you imagine, the great eternal wanting to allow us to share and partake and associate with what? With his nature, with his joys, with his accomplishments, with his achievements, with his desires. Now this is why that God can have no communion with a kingdom building preacher. Care what they say. They may say they're in such communion with God and such fellowship with God and all the time projecting themselves. God don't want to talk about them. I'm sorry, when a man does that, a woman, whoever they are, shows me that they're not in fellowship with God very good at all. Because God would rebuke them and let them know it's not all about them. Well, come on, saints. You see, whenever we have communion or commonality with the divine nature, we're able to share his feelings. We're able to share his divine cause. We're able to share what does he really want? What is the message truly for? It's a message to make us just follow Brother Branham and with every other word we say Brother Branham out of our mouth and we applaud Brother Branham and we basically worship Brother Branham. Is that what it's all about? I don't see that from God, from the Bible, or from the messenger himself. So I have a problem when I get around people like that myself, and that's all they want to talk about is Brother Branham. Brother Branham is not the epitome of Christ, the mystery of God revealed. To me, it is still Christ, the mystery of God revealed. It's not me, it's not you, it's not this preacher, it's not this church, but it is about the commonality that we share. So if we are, are going to be able to have communion with God, then if God wants to promote light, God wants to dispel darkness, God wants to promote healing, dispel evil and sickness, then I should share, should I not, in the very communion or the auspices of his nature. So what does that make me then? If God loves light, I love darkness. God loves righteousness, I love wickedness. Then my love, no matter what I say with my mouth, my love proves I'm not in communion with God. Because God's affection, God's desire, God's motive, God's plan. You understand what this really does for us? It takes away the desire of the kingdom of hell and the very nature that we were all born with. And it changes us back into the divine image by which we share the very motives of God. The very objectives of God. The very purpose of God. So what are we here for? Oh, I'm here to make a lot of money. I'm here to be a 
CEO. I'm here to be this and other. Well, you're not having communion with God. Now, God may have put you to be a CEO. God may have you to this and the other. But first and foremost should not be your job. It should be God first. You see, those who are in true communion with God, this is what separates the bride from the church. Now, the church has in mind of the church and money and wealth and fame and fortune and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. They go, typical day of the sin. But the bride is totally different. Now, the bride knows she has to work. Uh, if she don't work, she don't eat. That's right. And the bride knows that there's going to be things in life that she'll have to constantly provide for until the very day we're changed. And yet she knows also at the same time the key is prioritization. Of being able to place the priorities of life under the divine priorities of eternal life. Now that's the way he did when he was here and he was the very establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. Those that are in communion with God, they have to work, they have families, they cook. You sisters that are filled with the Holy Ghost, you think about apple pies and and baked beans and you think about barbecue and you think about wallpaper and washing windows and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that as long as that does not become the primary thing that you think you're here for. Well, praise the Lord. You're a housewife, but you're not married to your house. You're not given that title housewife because you're married to your house. Well, thank you, Jesus. Should I say it again to get some more of you sisters to say amen? Your main purpose here is, first of all, to be able to serve God. Then it is to be a wife, if God's called you to be thus, and a mother and a grandmother and so on. And the same with men. Brothers, our purpose here in life is not just to make money. It's not to keep up with the latest sporting events. And, you know, what football team is number one and what's number two and number three? I want to know who's number one, all right. But it's not LSU or the Cardinals or the Cubs or the Wildcats or the Tomcats or whoever more. I want to know who's first in your life. Who's first in your thinking? Who's first in your priority? That's the team you better be worried about. Oh my. You see, we have also fellowship with God by direct communication of prayer, meditation, and contemplation upon His Word. That we got times to where we get along with God. And we know those times can never be replaced with anything else. I don't think God wants us to think in our mind that the only time he hears us is when we're by ourselves in a closet somewhere. I think that God can speak to us, as I've said, in Lowe's, and Walmart, wherever we are. But yet there's something about that intimate, personal time that you all know as well as I know. If you have it, there's nothing that can ever replace it. There's something wonderful about us being in church together but me being in church together with you all of us together with him isn't the same thing with me and him and many understands now many folks this is the only time they have with God shame on you God desires more personal, intimate time with you than just being in church. You 
you see, the Christian, the real bride, the real those that are baptized into koinonia, they have this desire. They not only have the ability, but they have this desire inside of them by deposit from God. It's actually a call. And God places it there to answer to the deep in him. There is a deep in God that calls for people to spend time with him one-on-one. And if there is a deep in him, there has to be a deep to respond to that call. Amen. Notice this, not only will we have this in time now, but it will also be carried over in the rapture, the millennium, and the eighth day. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So notice the very koinia of the fatherhood reflected through the sonship will come right up to the body change when the Lord Jesus actually according to what Paul said shall come to be glorified in his saints so the coming of the Lord is actually a glorification of the bride praise the Lord Jesus Notice again in verse 11, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith, of faith, of faith and power. Now notice, Paul is not praying for everybody that names the name of Christ. He's not praying for all of those that will be future in the kingdom of Christendom. But he's praying for those that are called to this holy place of Koinia. You see, in the Middle Eastern reign of the kings, and also in the Eastern reign of the kings, it was only a special people that were called into the king's chambers. You know from reading the book of Esther that the queen did not have direct access at any time that she wanted. Uh, Upon the pains of death, did Esther go before the king without being summoned? Remember that in the Bible? Well, it was a common thing among them in that day, uh, a general, a great, great man of counsel and so on, even the wife or the children could not go into the king's chamber without being bidden. Why? It was a sacred place. Lord, you know, one of you and I are going to realize our time with God is sacred. We do not count it as sacred. There's no way if we looked at coming to church, if we looked at it as being sacred, there's no way we would enter these doors with the same attitude. We would not enter, well, I'm going to go. I don't know if I'll get anything or not. Hurry up, Brother Donnie. How long are you going to preach? I'm watching my watch. No, if we counted it as being sacred every time we enter those doors, if we counted it every time we get down on our knees that it was sacred, I guarantee you we would be a different people. We wouldn't have to be begged to worship. We would not have to be pleaded to get in and sing and clap our hands and praise God. Amen. 
Notice in Revelation 3.21, to him that overcometh shall I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. So the koinia between the father and the son. Now remember in the eighth day, it will actually be the body, the Lord Jesus sitting on the throne, and it will be the father, that great Shekinah light hanging over him, all through eternity. But God knew even in eternity, you'd need somebody to look at. And he wanted to give you something to look at. So he gave, <laughs> he gave himself to you in a body form. One that you could touch. One that could bat its eyes. One that could reach out its hands. And it would be him and another attribute, glory to God. But it would be him that you would be able to relate to. Do you understand? Even in a glorified body, he is so great. He is so great, so wonderful. That even then, my friends, it will take eternity to be the revealing and the unveiling of this mighty one that's a us right here this morning oh glory our fellowship is with the father the invisible the immortal the only wise God and with his son Jesus Christ the visible the tangible the touchable the relatable. Part of his kenosis was him laying aside and stepping out of that God image which he was to relinquish to come to the earth. Amen. But by doing so, the reward for the relinquishment is to be exalted so high that his name is above every name. Those of you who want to make the name of Jesus, William, Mary, and Branham, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. in Matthew 18 20 watch how we kenosis experience the kenosis of the word and how we in turn after the emptying out of this that he pours himself out from what he was amen in order to make himself pourable in another form So God takes the lid from himself and makes himself portable. So all that God was was poured into Christ. Then all that Christ was he emptied himself back into the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
And then he poured himself into the church. You could not drink the body of Jesus. How is he ever going to be with everybody on the earth at the same time? Unless he goes back into being spirit. Notice in Matthew 18.20. The Lord Jesus says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now there's only one person that could say this and be truthful. And that is an omnipotent, omnipresent, by his omnipotence, God. Jesus, the body, the man, could not say this. Glory to God. His body, when he was here on the earth, he could only be at Jerusalem or at Capernaum or, you know, Beth, wherever it was. His body could not be at Jerusalem and Capernaum and Jericho and Ai and Cappadocia. And it could not. It cannot be today. His corporal body cannot be here and be in Louisiana and be in Mississippi and be in Alabama and be in Africa. He cannot. But he said, where they are gathered in my name, I will be there. How are you going to do it, Lord Jesus? In my God form. Glory be to God. Notice this, whether, there, whether two or three are gathered together in my name, I, I am I in their midst. Oh, I love, I love, I love, I love this word. In my name, that is by my authority acting for me in my church. But look at what the word name actually means. That's a little bit different from the Hebrew. It's onoma. The name is used for everything which the name covers. Everything the thought or feeling of which is aroused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, remembering the name for one's rank and authority. So friends, it's not just, well, there's two or three people. Well, we're gathered in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, if we're gathered in his name, that he'd be here. You're twisting what he said. He said, if there's two or three that are gathered together under the auspices of what I am, who I am, what I'm going to be in the future, my character, my nature, my makeup, or then how can they be gathered in his name, baptizing in titles? Tell me, how can people gather together in his name, sitting under a woman preacher? Well, praise the Lord. Oh, but we're in the name of Jesus. No, you're not. You're just saying that. 
But Lord have mercy, children, what is it then today? If we are gathered here not under the auspices of a man or a denomination, but we are gathered under what the name represents, what the name means, the characteristics of the name. And remember, the word interpreted is the manifestation of the name of God. So when we come together under the revealed word, it is what the name stands for. The name Jesus to us is not God sending his little boy down here to die, but the name Jesus is the very God himself. Amen. Not no second person of the Godhead, but the Godhead bodily. But you see, this is the supreme overriding principle by which he's not promised to be there. Unless you're gathered under everything that the name stands for. Submissive to the authority of his will, believing every word that he had to say, everything the name represents. There am I in their midst. And only God could say that. Can you imagine this morning on Sunday in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Uganda, in Brazil, in Peru, in Uruguay, Yugoslavia, Poland, Latvia, England, all over the United States, all over the world. There have been people gathered on this day. How in the world could Jesus be in, in Kenya? There had Brother Kamwadi's church in Nairobi. And at the same time, hallelujah, be over in, in Zimbabwe and Harare and be with the group on the south side of Harare and be with the other group on the west side of Harare and be on the east side of Harare all at the same time. How can he be right here with us? Hallelujah to God. Anointing me to preach. Anointing you to hear. And at the same time, they're down in Louisiana with Brother Tim. The same time with Brother Andrew down in Arkansas. At the same time with Brother, Brother Darrell up in, Cal in Calgary or Canada rather. And this very same God, how could he do it? How could he do it? Because when he left this world, hallelujah, he said, I will come back in the form of fatherhood. And fatherhood his spirit. I will glory to God. Hallelujah. I will be the Holy Ghost. I will be in Africa. I will be in India. I will be around the world with my people. Pardon me. Hey, barber mouse. Liar. Hypocrite. Yeah, you devil. How many places are you at this morning? A few questions for you. Are you omnipotent? Are you omnipotent? You can't tell the truth, so they're answering for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Notice Jesus goes on to say in St. John 15, 4. 
abide in me. And I knew as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Abide in me. Remain united to me by living substance face. Remain attached to me. I don't know how you look at it. But any branch that is attached to the vine is having pretty close communion. So whatever's in the vine, glory be to God, hallelujah. Whatever's in the vine flows through the branch, energizes the branch, strengthens the branch. Praise God, saints. You talking about communion, not another life. And we're not, you know, detached from the vine. And we've got a little bowl of the anointing over here. And, and then you're over here in another little bowl. And you've got your own little watering trough. No, if we're all attached, we're all attached to one vine. There's not a seven thunder vine. There's not a Perugia vine. There's not a Baptist vine and a church of God vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Abide in me. Oh, you see, live a life of dependence. Live a life of dependence. I believe in independence. Oh, I'm so glad that our nation got its independence, but many Christians are too independent from God. And they sever themselves from the vine. Well, I want to get into that so far, you know. I'm not going to go all the way, this and that and the other. You understand what you're doing? You are severing yourself from your life, your energy, your sustaining power, and your fruitfulness, and you will die. St. John 15, 7. If ye... Abide, attached, remain attached in me. And my Ramus abide in you. You shall ask what ye will. Now let me tell you, this is the difference between us taking Logos. And saying, God, I'm sick, I need heal. God, I need heal. God, I speak it. And nothing don't happen. We're taking Logos. But when the same one who spoke that word speaks it through you, then that written Logos becomes Rhema, which is the word of God, so affixated in your heart and so anointed for the season, he might as well put your first name on that scripture. Because that's how much you believe it. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what your mama said, what your daddy said. If God told you you're going to be healed, you're going to be healed. So if you abide in me and my realm of words abide in you and you don't let nothing take it out of you, oh, glory be to God, then ask what you will. But remember, that's controlled by divine nature. We cannot do that by accumulation of Logos. We make enough chaos the way that it is. Can you imagine what we would do if we had access to this power? It's only sovereignly given. And you may experience it once or twice in your life. If you abide me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Can you imagine without conditions? 
ask what you will. And maybe I'll think about it. And I'll look at it and wonder if it's the best for you. How could he say this with such a positive affirmation? Because you wouldn't ask for nothing with a rhema word that he wouldn't anoint you to ask for. <laughs> we would not ask frivolously. We would not even ask contrary to his will. It would be impossible. He drops it there in us supernaturally and we would only ask for the koine of the fellowship. This is why he could say, you ask me and I'll give it to you. I promise. Imagine little old Hattie Wright sitting there that day. Poor. Illiterate. Wonder how many of these revelations she understood hearing Brother Branham preach. Wonder how many times she went out of the tabernacle, Brother Jim, and heard Brother Branham preach so much stuff and leave and say, Wow. Do you understand that, Hattie? <laughs> I sure didn't, but I sure love that man of God. I'll tell you one thing, God's with him. Sitting there talking about that spoken word. And once again, the word of the Lord dropped down in that room. Had he just gone around doing what a good sister would do. You know, y'all need more pie, you need more coffee, you need anything else to drink. The brothers sitting there talking about the words, you know. I always feel sorry for the sisters. They get left out a lot of times. They're in the kitchen washing the dishes. But little old Hattie just around the kitchen there, you know, doing this and that and the other. And the brother, now, Brother Banks, you've hunted squirrels all of your life. Have you ever seen a squirrel come down through the poison ivy? Have you ever seen them in a sycamore sycamore? Well, they don't eat on sycamore. All I can say is it must have been the same God that spoke to Abraham. Maybe little Hattie come through getting another dish to take to the sink. But something pulsated her heart. In a little sisterly way. That ain't nothing but the truth. Glory to God. And all of a sudden, Sister Heidi, you said the right words. Isn't it amazing that never happened as far as we know to any message preachers? A lot of them's know-it-alls. You can't tell them nothing. Come on, say, so get quiet on me. We must abide in the vine and let the life, let the life energize our thoughts. Our productivity. Notice in verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And you talking about eternal security. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. In other words, as long as y'all stay in me, you're as saved as I am. You're as secure as I'm secure. So take that devil and smoke it in your pipe since you're the one who found it smoking. You see, we abide. 
abide in his spirit. 1 John 2.27 But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. 1 John 2.6 He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. 1 John 3.6 Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him nor hath known him. St. John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except you abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Praise God. You all are so pitiful, people say. You're so pitiful. You can't go here. You can't go there. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, of course we can't. We're attached to the vine. (laughs) Well, I'm getting tired of this. I want to be detached. Go ahead. But I'm telling you right now, you will die. It's inevitable you will die. You may feel alive for a few days. You may even look alive for a few days. But you will die because you are detached. But if you say attached instead of dying, you're going to participate in flying. We're going to have our bodies changed. Can I go on just a bit more? Notice in Romans 15, 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also, listen to this, are full of goodness. Goodness was not a byword. Goodness was not a word that they used in surprise. But these believers so attached to Christ the vine had such fellowship that Paul said they didn't have just a little bit. They were full of goodness. Wow, wouldn't that be some of all of us at Happy Valley got full of goodness? Full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Philippians 1.11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, under the glory and praise of God. How are they doing this? Close fellowship with the vine. That would be really strange for a cactus to bring forth grapes, wouldn't it? Shouldn't be strange for a vine attached to a grapevine to bring grapes. Notice, St. John 15, 6, If a man abide not in me is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into fire and they are burned. Verse 7 again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Let's find a place to close and we'll resume. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. Who also glory who shall also confirm you unto the end. This is your warranty guarantee. 
This is your title deed, which has been searched back. And it comes back from the original title company. Which guarantees your title is clear. Who shall also confirm you unto the end. The end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this refers to the power of God by which the believer is eternally secure in the vine. Not in the believer. I'm not secure in my stability. I'm not secure in my this or that or the other. I'm secure only in Christ Jesus. And the word used there for confirm is to make firm or reliable or warrant or a warranty on a title deed. The period of the guarantee is to the very end. Holy Ghost comes with a lifetime guarantee. It does not come with money back, but it comes back with your new body back. (laughs) You see, the period of the duration is when you're sick, when you're down, when you're up, when everything's going good, when things going bad, all the way to the end. Well, the father's drama is fixing to come to the last closing scene to the Gentile dispensation. And if you've ever seen a documentary or a film or whatever more at the end of it, and you know how used to, they would always put what is the very last words you see? Cinema vision by so-and-so, technology by so-and-so, director of photography by so-and-so, and they give all these names on and on and on and on and on. And then you know you've down through all that jargon when you come down to the very last frame. And what does it say on the very last frame? The end. Well, let me tell you something. The end is going to be bad for all of those that are not saved. It's going to be bad for America. It's going to be bad for the world. But it's going to be wonderful for you. As a child of God, because your Lord Jesus warranties you and guarantees you to the end. Let me close with this. Verse 9. God is faithful. How many can say amen to that? God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship. You were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the word called here does not refer merely to an invitation. But it's the effectual influence which has been put forth which had inclined them to embrace the gospel. You see, some folks hear the call. 
Oh, do anybody want to be saved? Anybody want to come to the Lord? Anybody want to give the heart to God? People said, Terry, not today. No, 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 not today. But Paul is speaking to some that were not just given an invitation like that. But they were compelled. You want to go? Yes. I thought you did. You want to go? I thought you did. You want to go? You want to go? You want to go? You want to go, Lord? I need a little help. Okay, come on. I thought you wanted to go. effectual influence which had been put forth which inclined them to accept the gospel Lord of God I made up my mind hallelujah I went down to the grab the hold of the horns of the altar you heard me say it before you didn't grab a hold of the horns he got a hold of yours you're as mean or the devil. You're as rotten. You're as low down. You're sorry. Some of you, he was nice. He grabbed you by the hands. Others, he grabbed you by the seat of the britches and give you a kick. Others, he grabbed you by the hair of the head. But whatever's necessary, those names that's on that book are going to be redeemed. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So here we were in the mathematical equation of being lost. Unregenerate, seemingly unredeemable. So you take the equation and you try to divide it into it and no matter what you do with it to try to divide a third by a fourth and you try to have three and four is not there's no the common denominator we must find something between three and four how can we divide five into six and man and God look so far apart God said, but I've got a denominator. And it's not a denomination. (laughs) Wasn't a preacher, wasn't your mama. It was a baby. So God said, here is what it will begin with. This is the answer to all your problems. Really? Really that? 
I wonder sometimes if God hands you a promise and it's a promise in baby form. By stripes you're healed. And God hands you that promise instead of being full grown, but it's like a baby. And you pray one day and you have a pretty good day and then the next day you're three times worse than you was before. Are you going to throw the baby out? Or are you going to keep on holding that baby and say, praise God, you're going to grow up. I'm going to feed you, you're going to grow up. I've claimed it, I believe it in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get this promise, it's mine. Hallelujah. Praise God. Once you let God work the mathematical equation of salvation. You see salvation, redemption, all this whole thing. It's a great mathematical divine equation that science and theologians totally miss. But if you will let God work it in your heart. And divide you from yourself. He'll take that old husband out. He will die. And then Jesus will start courting you. Because he won't court you as long as you're married. Now he'll be nice to you and he'll treat you nice. But he won't court you until that old husband is dead. Then once that old husband is dead and divided by the mathematical equation of what is called a new birth or divine nature. Then that, that means you're unmarried. And that means that seed inside of you never sinned. That's what never sinned in the first place. I mean, if you still got that new birth wrong, you think it's that same old thing that got saved. That same old thing is dead. That man that used to drink and run around and lie, he may live in the same house, but it ain't the same man. He's gone. I may look the same. My hair may be the same color, but it ain't the same resident. Praise God. Let's bow our heads if you would. Oh, Jesus. Thank you today, Lord God. I want to thank you, first of all, Father, for making a way that I could have this fellowship. It's such an honor, Lord Jesus, to be able to fellowship with your children around the world. I've been so privileged. I would have never thought if anyone would have told me years ago that I'd travel the world and be able to meet your bride. I would have never thought that that had ever been possible. Just a little old hick out of the hills in Kentucky that you'd ever let me done such. That's an honor. But oh, Father, what an honor it is to be able to fellowship with you. Not that you're the great master and I'm the slave and you're just waiting for me to mess up so you can whip me and rebuke me and kick me around. But actually we fellowship together. Thank you. Lord, it so struck my heart last night when your inspiration dropped it there that you want to sit down, as it were, with your children across from the table and say, talk to me. Tell me about you. <laughs> Glory. Who are you in me? I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm sealed. I'm called. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. Help us, Lord Jesus. Lord, may we realize how foolish we are sometimes as human beings. We would sit in a chair and pick up a remote and sit there and play some foolish video game for hours on end. 
some foolishness when we could have been spending that time reading the word, listening to a tape, going in the prayer closet and praying. And we traded that sacred, precious time for some video game or some foolishness that would be nothing. I mean, Lord, we know that you, you told your disciples whenever they'd went out and preached and they were so stressed and you told them, let us come apart and rest a while. The scripture said the crowd had so pressed against him they hadn't even been able to eat. So we know that you're not against us resting and even relaxing and doing things that help us. But when we make those things our idols, they are wrong. Playing a video game ain't sacred. Watching a football game or a baseball game, that ain't sacred. But how much sacred time do we give for foolishness? And then we wonder why we're not as fruitful. Some would rather go out and eat on Saturday night and spend time shopping and here and there and there than go to church. Or they'd rather vacation all the time. I don't see how some people even have a vacation since they vacation every week. How could it even be a vacation? Vacation becomes nothing but idolatry. Help us, Lord. Vacation ain't sacred. Money ain't sacred. Lord, time with you, sacred. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. Father, may you begin with me. Help me, O oh God. I know what it's like to forfeit sacred time. I've done it so many times, and a preacher would just want to call me on the phone and basically just chit-chat. Me being the channel of the anointing, studying. I didn't want to hurt his feelings, so I give up that sacred time with you. Just to chit-chat with this and that and the other. I'm sorry. Oh, we wasn't cussing. We wasn't talking bad things or none of that. But I've come to realize the closer I've got to the end of the way, Satan will do everything he can to rob me and you of that sacred time. Sometimes it's hard to tell people no. Sometimes it may be hurtful. But I think of Brother Branham when he tells about that Sunday night service in 1962 and he tells about the vision of the bear and how he's supposed to be at that certain place. And this man that he was hunting with wanted him to go to this other place. Brother Branham in the evening service said, Lord, I was so worried about hurting his feelings and I didn't even think about hurting yours. And he said, I asked the church this morning to forgive me. And I didn't want to come here and tell that to my brothers as your servant. We've all been guilty of such, Lord. We're just concerned about hurting this one's feelings or that one's feelings. So maybe we've set aside tomorrow. We're going to spend a couple hours alone with the Lord. And then somebody on Pinterest wants us to go shopping at Ross or somebody else wants us to go here and somebody else wants us to go there and we don't want to hurt their feelings. And then we plan it on Tuesday and then somebody else wants Tuesday and somebody else wants Wednesday. Somebody else wants Thursday. Before we know it, it's Saturday again. And then we replan it again for Monday and then we forgot about the orthodontist appointment and we forgot about the foot doctor appointment and the eye doctor appointment. 
And the next thing we know, it's Saturday again. And then the next thing we know, it's the end of the month. We have big plans. But how many of them do we carry out, Lord? Forgive us, Jesus. I'm so glad my security is not based upon me. And I'm going to go ahead and speak on behalf of these people. I'm glad their security ain't based on them. Because there probably wouldn't be a half a dozen out of this age that would even make it. If it was based on us. But I'm so glad it ain't based on us. It's based on you. But Lord, in saying that, it doesn't mean that we want to be lazy and complacent. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us to reverence our time with you. To consider it sacred, holy ground. Praise God. I wonder how many here today and how many stream in this service. If you just bow your head, even there where you are, no one looking around, please. You just be honest before the Lord today and say, Brother Donnie, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've done the same thing. I want the Lord to forgive me. I want the Lord to help me to be able to find that sacred times. Now, friends, many of you have to work. You're not going to have the time I've got. God requires more of me. God requires more preachers because I have more time. I don't have to do a job in that sense like you do. So don't think, well, I've got to be like Brother Donnie. You've got to be the way God made you to be. The allotment of your sacred time, my goodness, it might be an hour in a week. It might be an hour in two weeks. Mine might be hour upon hour upon hour. But you don't have to be like me. You don't want to be like your wife. You say, God, help me to find what I'm supposed to be. That's what I want, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Lord Jesus, in your great presence now, I'm going to offer prayer. I can feel it in their spirits, Lord. They feel as I do. They're wounded after today's sermon. They're wounded. They feel cut. They feel happy. But they feel sad too. They're not sad of what they've heard, but they feel sad that they've let you down. I feel that way, Lord. Forgive me. Lord, forgive us as your people. I'm so glad that when you come to this earth as a human that you took these feelings upon yourself to be able to relate to us. Help us, Lord Jesus. I believe even the busyness of this hour, we can still find slots of time to make room for you, Lord, with the sacred time to be in the presence of Jehovah. Lord, as much as we might all disagree with the president's politics, his mannerisms, much of what he does and the way that he does, yet I dare say if most of the people in this church were to get a personal invitation to go to the White House, to visit with the vice president or the president or the Congress or the Senate, my, we'd be so honored. If there was any way possible, most of us would even if we couldn't go, we would want everybody to know we was invited. We would be sure everybody found that out. Because it'd be such an honor. When I stood there, Lord, and was able to shake hands with the vice president as he came through, I thought it was an honor. I certainly wouldn't agree with many of the things the man stands for. 
but being in that great position in the United States, it was an honor. And yet I'm offered every day the honor by the great eternal. Praise God. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord Jesus. Minister to your saints today, Father. We love you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you for this time of fellowship, Lord. Praise be to God. Can we just raise our hands, saints? In the presence of God. No doubt you've got plans for lunch and you're going here and going there, but let's just put them on delay if you don't mind for just a few moments. This is a sacred time in the presence of Jehovah, the great creator of the heavens and the earth. His presence is right here with us. The mighty God unveiled before us. If you're sick, He's here to heal you. He may give you your healing today in a full-born manifestation, and every symptom may leave you, or He may choose to give it to you in baby form, and nothing happens. But if you receive it, you'll be able to walk out of here and you'll walk into a new body. Maybe a week, it may be two, it may be three. But you'll go that adopted baby route and you see if God don't bring his word to pass. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Now I'm feeling like I wish I was by myself just alone in the presence of the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, I feel like English isn't good enough to express the way I feel. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. We worship you, great Adonai. We bless your name, Jehovah. You have called us to yourself with an effectual pulling, an effectual influence. If it would have been waiting on us, we'd still been delaying. Many of us in our mind and our intellect would still been making excuses. We'd been living a wasted life. But something grabbed a hold of us and give us a jerk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. An influence from another dimension, a supernatural pull, a responding factor from the divine, common denominator. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Blessed be the Lord God. We worship you, Leah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great Jehovah God, we bless your name. You are worthy, Lord. Thank you, Father. I give you my mansion, Lord Jesus. This created soul, this created being that is adorned with the heavenly gems. Hallelujah. Abide, O oh God. Dwell, O oh God. Live, O oh God. Talk, walk. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
How many needs healing in your body? Raise your hand. You need healing. The common denominator between the promise of God and the reality of your body being healed is Isaiah 53. By whose stripes, the denominator, by whose stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Any deliverance today? You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost? The common denominator between Zoe, the life of God, coming into a human with mortal life. What is that denominator? The person of the Lord Jesus. God expressed in human form, allowing that denominator to divide the divine from the human and release the divine nature of God to come back into you. But Brother Donnie, I've asked God and I've asked God to give me the Holy Ghost and I pray and I don't feel nothing. Who says you're supposed to feel anything? Open your heart. Let Him scan every aspect of your soul and make sure the sin question is settled. Use the common denominator, the blood of the Lord Jesus. It will divide you, the real you. It will divide you away from that nature and that nature will die. You don't even have to be at the altar. I don't have to lay hands on you. Nobody has to beat you on the back. It can happen right there as you stand and let God work His work of mass in your life. Praise be to God. And God will divide your nature away from you and separate that old husband. And then God will perform divine mass. You walked in here empty, you walk out with divinity living inside. Only God can add that, my brother, sister. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Now let's be like our father Abraham. The prophet said God gave Abraham the promise. And Abraham watered that promise every day with praise. I thank you, God, by your stripes I am healed. I thank you, God. The promise is I'm going to get the Holy Ghost and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to leave you alone, Jesus, till I get it. God, this besetting sin, I'm not going to stop until I get it. It's a promise in your word. God, I ain't going to hush. I ain't going to leave you alone till I've got a new body. Amen. Praise God. Let us be that determined. Hallelujah. We will be unstoppable. You will be undefeatable. Satan will not be able to stand before you. Praise God. Oh, but I'm so scared of falling. If you get these things in you, you shall never fall. Not upon your strength. Not upon your stability. Upon the stability of Jehovah himself. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Brother Joel, come sing. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, children, if somehow God would help me. I know some of you never broke into that spot that I'm talking about. You look at me and you sit there and you think, what, what's he talking about? What, what does he mean? I know you've never broken into it, but if, if, by God's grace, 
I can be able to help you to break into that realm. You'll never be the same again. It will take Jesus from the historical pages. When you listen to a tape, you'll listen to it with a different way. It won't be a 57 tape. It won't be a tape of history. You'll see the living Christ. Living where? Not in Happy Valley Church. But living in you. Worship him just just a bit before we go. I'm gonna let you go. Jesus, draw me close. walking in and speaking to our hearts. We're so fortunate. I hope it, I pray that it never becomes common. 
in any way, in any shape, form, or fashion, it ever becomes common to us that the King of Glory would just come down among us and speak to our hearts. What a manifestation of love. We're just so fortunate. So fortunate. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much. Lord, in the light of your glory, we all look at ourselves and condemnation would sweep us away into a dark pit, Lord, if it wasn't for you there to hold our hand and to lead us into the light, to make us a part of the light, to make us a light to this world. Lord, you're the one who changes us. You're the one who, who makes us what we are, who molds us and shapes us and reshapes us and reshapes us and keeps working and never stops. You never tire. You never give up. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You just keep patiently working and working and working and building and building. We're so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful for everything you do for us. Thank you for words, Lord, that would come and minister to us in a way that would make us just have a hunger and a desire to be so much closer to you. To be in such, such lovely fellowship with you on a day-by-day, minute-by-minute basis, Lord, for us to look for a way to slip away and find time for, just to be with you, our first love, our only love. Lord, we, we can't thank you enough. I don't know how to put it into words, Lord. Lord, be with your people. Help us to know that we can trust you. Help us to know that you're ever-present, you're ever-mindful, you're always loving us. Lord Jesus, keep us safe until we come together again in your name. Until we can worship you, Lord. Help us, Father, to worship you in a way that will please you. It will make you happy. It will make you comfortable with us. It will make you feel the warm passion of our love, Lord, in your heart. We don't want it to be a one-way street. We want to give you everything you deserve our Lord and our King, our Master, our Maker, our everything. Lord, you're so precious to us. Help us to be conformed into your image, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You can be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. That's the way it's got to be.